0: Welcome back to another episode of Hello TJ. Sorry that we've been away, um, but we are back this week and ready for a very revealing episode. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Bane. Hi, Bane. Hello, T. So, we like to start the podcast off with five questions about our week and about our writing. So, do you want to ask the first question? Do you want me to ask?
1: Yeah, I'll go. So, um... Can you please describe me your week in three words?
0: Well, this week, um, Jack went back to school, so relaxing. (laughs) Um, And I guess I would say eye-opening, relaxing and eye-opening. I'll say that's three words, even though it's a hyphen word. But uh, Relaxing and eye-opening. What about you?
1: Um, Mine was, I would say, uh, exhausting. Mm. Um, but also very um, Motivating Week.
0: That's good. But
1: those are two. Yeah, yeah. Two are okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, with me right now, also, in and out of this podcast, is my son, Jack, who just ran away, but just came over to give me a nice cold lick on the face with his popsicle (laughs) mouth. So that's great. All right, what about the next question? Our next question okay. is, what is the best or the worst thing you read this week?
1: Um, the best thing I read this week would probably be um, Green Vest Running Water by Thomas King. He's a Canadian author. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I had to read it for my Canadian literature course. So that's that's a very interesting thing I've read this week. But what about you?
0: Me, um, hmm. Honestly, I haven't. I I I'm still reading Little and Lion, and I'm not really into it still. Um, I have about a few more chapters to finish it, but I think I'm deeming it as the worst thing I've read this week. Oh god.
1: Ugh.
0: But I'm but almost done. Not the worst thing. What?
1: We never had the the worst thing. We always had the the good thing. Little and
0: Lion has been petering on the worst, but I don't like seeing writing as bad. It's just not interesting. You know, my mom always says that you really, like, when I present my mom with new plots, I always tell her, you know, it's more of like an aesthetic. It's more of an emotional piece than a dramatic piece. And she's like, well, where's the substance? Where is the meat? And that's... This book made me realize that a book needs me Book needs something, just in it, um, instead of just emotions. It needs more drama and more events. So it's it's helped me learn as a writer that I can't just write about emotions. I need to start writing about events and sequences.
1: Yeah, understandable. Um, and who or what inspired you this week?
0: Um. Is it weird that one of my writing pieces actually inspired me? I wrote a really personal essay, and I wrote one line, um, If I live a life worth heaven, and that's been in my head all week, is if I live a life worth heaven. And I don't know if I believe in an afterlife or if I believe in God. I don't know what I believe in, really. But um, that sentence has really stuck with me and really inspired me to kind of live a better life. What about you? Uh,
1: that's actually a perfect uh, title for a book.
0: I, I've been thinking ah. about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, actually, what inspired me uh, this week would probably be, because um, I'm reading right now um, *The Skies Everywhere by John D. Nelson, okay. and um, I kind of really want to start working on a young adult novel or something and as i'm reading it i i just want to write something obviously not uh, related to this book but just write something create something and so on
0: i love writing young adult genres and in Ah, that whole it's just it's so much fun to kind of play up different things and i i think i i think people kind of write off young adult writers but they're the most important writers out there. They're the ones who are shaping everyone's opinions when they become adults. Um, so I, I give it out to young adult writers. They're... I
1: agree. <laughs> um, and what did you write this week?
0: Um, I started um, writing my new book. And I haven't really been investing too much time into it because I've been wondering what I'm going to publish next. Uh but I have focused in what I'm publishing next aside from the projects that I'm working on with other people, including you. Um, but I've discovered what my next self project is and I'm not ready to announce it quite yet. I'll tell you after we're done recording. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm writing, I'm writing my new book. I just started this week. What about you?
1: That is lovely. I actually uh, wrote another short story. Um, Which I'm really proud of. And that's Um, the one that's
0: going up on my website, right?
1: No, that's the first one I wrote. Oh, you
0: wrote another one? Yeah. You've been busy.
1: Well, yeah. Uh, But yeah, I'm really happy with it. It's kind of personal. You know, I think Mm. um, because sometimes I cannot say quite well what I want to say in a poem because, you know, a poem should be kind of short because a poem should be read in one sitting, as Edgar Allan Poe said once, Mm. so that's what I'm trying to do with my poetry, but because this is like a longer story, I kind of put that in a story, Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really happy about it, Um, and our final question uh, for uh, this week's uh, weekly questions is, um, what did you learn this week?
0: I learned so much this week. Um, This was a really eye-opening week. I think the main thing I learned is that, you know, and this is a really important lesson for other writers, is to write for yourself and not always for your audience. And I think that we get really wrapped up in writing for our audience because those are our readers. Those are the people who will be reading it. And, yes, you should keep them in mind about what they like. But when you're writing, it should just always at first be for yourself. The editing is for your audience, you know? But the actual act of writing is for you. It's supposed to be cathartic. So I'm learning to write for myself. What about you?
1: Yeah. Um, I totally agree with you because Sarah Kay also said that, you know, when you first write a poem, obviously I'm talking about a poem, but when you first write a poem, you're writing it for yourself. Uh, and then the second thing you do is editing and you're editing so that people could understand what you're trying to say Mm. and I think that's what everybody should do Um, but I'm glad that you kind of realized that Um, what I learned this week is that um, I need to talk less Um, not in terms of um, just you know I talk a lot but I feel like The things I'm passionate about and things that I love, I should sometimes keep it up, keep it in myself and not uh, tell other people how I feel, Mm -hmm. because sometimes, you know, I tell my friends, um, oh my god, I love this book, I'm so happy, or like this or that, or something about literature, and they call me a lunatic or crazy, and it kind of hurts, um, and it puts you down. For no reason, just because they they cannot understand that. Oh, I hate that when you're,
0: when you have that excitement and that spark in your eye and you're just passionate and almost manically talking about how enamored you are with something. And then someone kind of shoots you down and it's like, you don't understand. I was so happy. (laughs) Why did you have to do that? Oh, I hate that. I'm a very passionate person and I get really wrapped up in conversation. And yes, sometimes the conversations tend to be more one-sided because I'm really wrapped up in what I'm talking about. But I, I definitely, I understand that because I'm working on listening more and talking less, but.
1: Yeah, but you know, since we are talking, uh, for today's uh, topic is mental illness. Yes. So um, it affects you somehow, you know, it affects your mental health because when you're always passionate about something and it's part of who you are as a person because what you love is who you are also so if you love art you're you know a person who likes art this is something this is kind of a part of you so if if you kind of i I would say if people put you uh, put you down always about something you love it kind of affects you and you kind of lose interest you think maybe this is wrong what I'm doing maybe they're right and you start questioning it um, which really affects your mind somehow Mm. I I can say it fucks up your mind yeah so what do you think about that like I I...
0: know that
1: sometimes people uh, you know sometimes you disagree with something but if somebody's passion passionate about something You can be just, well, that's nice, I'm glad you're happy, but you don't have to put other people down.
0: Well, okay, so for me, I'm a people pleaser, and I always want to put on almost a show for people. It's very hard to be my authentic self. So when I'm having these moments of being myself and being passionate about something that brings me joy, that sparks joy, Marie Kondo, it sparks joy, it it almost makes me feel smaller because it's like this is the moment that i'm expressing to someone who i am and i'm excited and i'm in the moment and then you tell me that whatever i'm talking about doesn't interest you or it bothers you or you make fun of my excitement and it's like i shrink i i don't want to be myself i want to put back on this mask that i presented because i feel like in that moment The person chooses to like who I pretend to be over who I actually am and it just it shuts me down it that can make or break a relationship with me if somebody shuts me down when I'm happy about something and there's there's an appropriate way to be like "Ooh, you gotta take a chill pill like relax tell me more about it but like breathe while you're talking (laughs) instead of just oh this is annoying you're annoying me
1: yeah And not not only that, sometimes, um, you know, I struggle with anxiety, Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: and sometimes when something bothers me, I'm getting very panicky, I get panic attacks, and sometimes people don't understand how I'm feeling and what I'm feeling, and to them, they're like, "Uh, what are you trying to do right now, Uh, stop playing a victim or something like that, which is so, so fucked up.
0: When people tell me to stop playing the victim, it, it's, it's a trigger at this point for me because, so there's a fine line and this is what I'm learning, that you can be a victim but not give power to it. Um, but when people say stop playing the victim, I want to be like, but I am a victim and like you should show a little respect and support instead of telling me to not be who I am when my mental illness reacts.
1: I, I agree with you completely Like we we have all been through our hell um, and I think mental illnesses come from a very young age so instead of giving kindness and support to other people we kind of not be like you and I but like we as a society we mm-hmm. put them down I don't know even why like because I don't do that like if somebody is feeling sad or depressed or anxious or whatever i'm here to support you no matter what you know so i
0: go ahead sorry (laughs) no
1: it just i don't know why people do it it's just and uh, especially for the playing the the victim like why would i play something when what i actually am I am a victim of my mental illness, I didn't choose this path, you know, Yeah. this happened to me and this is what I'm struggling get, with every day, if I tell you that some, something bothers me, it's not because I want to uh, get attention or whatever, it's because I want to feel better around you and to have a nice day, because this thing is stopping me from it, so instead of you helping me with it, you're just putting me down and killing my vibe, which yeah. is totally wrong. But, like, I wanted to ask you, um, how did you become a mental health advocate, and when?
0: Um, so, I, I have a really interesting mental health background, um, and it's, it's pretty explosive. That's the word I would use for it. It's pretty explosive. But, uh, around 2014, um, I was, Uh, doing a lot of stand-up comedy around Boston, and my main focus was um, mental health. And right back then, I was diagnosed with bipolar. Since then, I've been diagnosed with BPD. But I kept making these self-deprecating jokes, and people would come up to me after shows and be like, wow, you know, I have this. I didn't know other people had this. And it just... Making a joke out of everything was helping people, but I didn't want to make a joke out of mental health. Don't get me wrong. I still love self-deprecating humor and I'm working on it, but I love shit-talking myself more than anything, but um, when I was pregnant with Jack in 2015, um, I started to panic because I realized, holy shit, what if my kid has a mental illness? And what if my kid has to go through the things I went through? And in this rhetoric and mindset, I started thinking I didn't want my child to grow up in a home or in a world where mental illness was stigmatized. And I couldn't control it on a global aspect, but I could maybe control it in my own home. So I started this website called Mom Life Lady, where I would blog about parenting and I had blog about mental health and kind of how the two coexist. Um, and then on March 22nd of 2016, which is also my adoption anniversary, it's the only reason I remember the day, um, I was picked up by The Mighty for an article I had written about suicidal ideation, which back then, I there back then I didn't know it was suicidal ideation I just thought it was like hey I'm kind of a bitch and sometimes I want to kill myself but I'm not gonna do it um the original post was titled uh an open suicide letter and it was meant to be kind of like a catchy title to make people realize oh there's a passive um tense of being suicidal or there's just kind of this casualty to it or not casualty casualness um and it just kind of started then I've kind of now in my career I'm still a mental health advocate I still go to events I'm actually speaking at a mental health advocate um author event in May at Barnes & Noble um which I'm really excited about and I love talking about mental health but I don't put my own stories out there as much anymore. I spent a couple years just publishing, hey, I'm suicidal, hey, I'm not, hey, I'm in the hospital, hey, these are my meds, and it got too personal. People were starting to attack personal aspects of my life, um, one being med shaming, because I have, I, I'm not the kind of person who can just get sunshine and water And fish oil vitamins. I have to take an antipsychotic or I'm not going to be able to function. So, um, it was a lot of pill shaming. And it's like, that's great that you don't have to be on medication. I do. Um, and I'm not telling you you have to get on medication. That's not everyone's solution. And I don't want it to be my solution. If I could go off medication and do everything natural, I would. But I'm not in a place in my recovery. I can do that yet. Um but that was a long answer but yeah I started becoming a mental health advocate uh, around the time my son was born in 2015 um, I started my blog in the hospital while I was in labor
1: <laughs> oh yeah. that is lovely yeah. <laughs> well I think you did the right thing because I also want to talk about mental illness mm. and um, especially you know anxiety is kind of I guess of this planet has it maybe even more like people of this planet and so I kind of wanted to talk about with my peers and my friends and colleagues and everyone around me because I'm struggling with with it every day Mm. Um, and so when I would talk with my friends and I would be like you know listen this is what I have Uh, this is what is painful uh, for me Uh, I really want you to understand because, you know, sometimes I get lost and I don't know what to do. And they're like, yeah, 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 I I understand. And then the next thing happens. I'm full panic mode. I cannot breathe. I don't know where I am. They're like, you know, just not understanding me at all. And this is not only because they cannot understand. It is because they don't want to understand. It's because I sent them a links or websites or tell them everything that's going on and they don't even want to read it.
0: Well, this is interesting. Um, I, You see broken bones when you're a little kid on the playground. You know, people with casts and people who have crutches and you get it. They have a broken bone. They need time to heal. You don't need to research it. You can see it. You understand. Bing, bang, boom. You're done. That's all you need to know. But with mental illness, it's a hidden disease. And yes, it does manifest, but it manifests in ways that makes people uncomfortable. And it's not because you're doing anything wrong. It's just because we haven't been taught about mental illness as children. We're in health classes ever since we're little, at least in American school systems. We're taught health from how whatever grade on. It's a whole entire class requirement. It's a graduation requirement. But we're not taught, hey, when you're a teenager, you're going to start experiencing some symptoms. And when you're older, you might not be able to work. You might not be able to do anything. You might have to go to a hospital someday. And nobody lays that out for you or tells you when you're a kid. It's like all of a sudden you're at a therapy office when you're a teenager and they're like, oh, you have this. And it's like, okay, what the fuck is that? Because nobody's told me this like it's just kind of one of the hidden joys of being an adult bang you have a mental illness now deal with it
1: but you know what's interesting is um i went to medical high school Mm -hmm. and so we had like obviously in the primary school we had health classes and also um in medical high school because you know that was my my main thing um so there were many subjects where we would do uh illnesses whether they would be related to heart, whether they would be related to pregnancy or whatever. And we had like general thing, general health. Um, and this book had, for example, for heart disease, you're going to have 20 pages um, chapter. Or like for, I don't know, diarrhea, you're going to have 10 pages. Yeah. And I read once, like it was like anxiety or... Or uh, bipolar, it was like half of a page, t. Mm. just like this is what it is, this is how it's treated by. And I'm just like, okay. And I remember when I was, uh, I had my literature classes, and I obviously had anxiety with them, but I didn't know what it was. I so thought it was just like, I don't know, I don't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. But my my teacher was like, you know how, how this is called um and we're like no and she and she was like well this is called anxiety and i was like ding it's it's kind of like you felt it you kind of got gave a birth basically because you gave a name to what you have and so ever since then i started researching it reading books or like just reading it online and it really helped me uh much not in terms of like how to deal with it because you know i tried breeding i tried counting five things next to me or things like that, but it just, it doesn't help. But talking or, like, being around somebody really helps me because they kind of calm me down. Um...
0: The first time that anyone kind of pointed, like, okay, so in seventh grade, I was diagnosed, quote unquote, with ADHD, which I don't have ADHD. I've, it's not a big deal if I did, obviously, obviously wouldn't be a big deal if I had ADHD but these were all precursors to my personality disorder. And the first time a teacher actually took the time to understand that there's something much more wrong with me than an attention deficit was when I ended up screaming in front of a class because a kid wouldn't let me finish what I was saying. And I full blown screamed, like scream, screamed. And The class kind of laughed at me, and I was really embarrassed, but I was mostly angry because I wasn't being heard, and the teacher took me aside after, and she said, you know, sometimes I feel like I want to explode, so when I do, I write X's on my hand, and I didn't realize what she was teaching me, a self-harm curbing technique, Um, but that was the first time a teacher had ever kind of sat down and, like, kind of identified, like, hey, that's not normal but there's things you can do about it which really i think kind of was the first time i accepted oh there's something wrong with me but that's okay
1: yeah but what you said it is okay mm. but when you're mentally ill it is okay because nobody is perfect and i wish people talked about it more um And as you said previously, just because you cannot see it doesn't mean it's not there. Mm. And people always say, well, God created you to be healthy and uh, straight, you know, straight body and uh, sperm and spine, whatever. But um, it's like, but if God created everything to be alright, why am I having this then?
0: I, you know. So there is this argument, right, that God created you perfectly, and if that's true, then why did I have a shitty childhood? Why do I have a mental illness? Why do I have all the health issues that I have? Um, thats I don't think anyone is created perfectly. I think everyone is a big pile of shit just trying to pass off being something better, but I think more that If there is a God, they don't give you more than you can handle. And I think everyone, I don't know. I I think, I don't know if that's true. Because I know there's people who surrender to the fight and who do complete suicide. And that's not fair to say that God doesn't give you more than you can handle. Because clearly that was too much for somebody to handle to the point that they felt no other escape. Um... But yeah. but do you see what I'm saying? Like for me, I know that even I've survived my darkest days. You know, I've and I don't know if there's darker days ahead, but I have survived so far. So I know I can survive again. And I and maybe not in that moment, I'll know I can survive again. But I think I think we're all stronger than we give ourselves credit for, and I think we can all fight these inner demons it's just I think the first step is really identifying everything and that's the step that is often overlooked and missed because people don't want to go to a therapist office because they don't want to feel like they're crazy because there's so much stigma right um so I I think I think there's ways to battle this and I think that there are ways to live a life where you feel that God created you just the way you are and that's good Um, but I think, I think there's a lot of steps to that.
1: Yeah, but do you agree that, for example, let's, let's take it simpler, maybe Mm -hmm. for people to understand. So when you have bad weather for a week, you you cannot wait for the good weather. And when the good weather comes, you realize how much you missed it and how much you love the good weather and the sunny days and spring and everything. And I think what you need in life is balance. And sometimes having mental illness is not always a bad thing, if you can say so. Like, I wish nobody had mental illnesses. But if we didn't have mental illnesses, then what would we write about? Right. And so, like, you, what you actually have to do with uh, your health issues is just, like, you take those bad things and you turn them into good things. Because I... Yeah, like I, I have anxiety and instead of going out with my friends or partying or whatever I'm going to stay home. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to read books I'm gonna to listen to music or study or whatever and this is how I made myself Basically, I became who I am because of my mental illness because I started loving literature because of my anxiety and many things I did I did it because um, I, I I was fearful of going out and this is how it created me kind of yeah and about what you said earlier about suicide i was talking to my friend and um she was telling me a story how two women or two uh, two people were put in a cage and so they didn't have any food and they didn't want to you know i think it was like mother and daughter they obviously wouldn't kill each other so they could survive you know to eat
0: Mm-hmm.
1: one another and so they try to kill themselves but they they can't because your brain kind of has a defen- uh, defensive mechanism that stops you from killing yourself somehow, like you cannot do it how much you want it and so they couldn't do it basically so they had to kill each other or something but I think when people commit suicide I think something in their brain as people say click so they kind of are ready to
0: do it you know they're like i don't know well for me the- um i so i don't know if i've even told you this but i have attempted before um i've been hospitalized for attempts so i've woken up and been fine after attempts but i've made a couple attempts and um there's one that's really prevalent in my mind um when i think about suicide and all things about it it was probably I don't even know if I'd say my most serious attempt because with BPD a lot of times suicide attempts are I I don't want to say this because it sounds so stigmatizing but they're kind of like cries for help you don't actually want to die but you're suffocating and drowning and spiraling and you don't know what else to do and you feel like nobody else wants you there um so it's it's a really complicated way of thinking uh but during that one particular suicide attempt that I was talking about, I I it it felt like a switch. I was completely fine with it. I wasn't sad. It wasn't scared. I was like, okay, this is it. This is what it was just something that I felt like I needed to do. I felt like I had no more loose ends. I felt it was weird. I've never felt more at peace. Um I've never had less anxiety. I've never had less racing thoughts. I didn't feel depressed. It was just, okay, completion. And I think what it ended up being was the end of a different cycle in my life. Um, Because after that suicide attempt, I ended up going to the hospital one of the next days and getting treatment and then moving back to the state my parents lived in and getting help Um, and I am, continuing to get help since that day, but I, there, there is almost a switch. There's different levels to being suicidal. There's passive suicidal ideation, then there's thoughts and planning, and then there's action, and a lot of my times, I'm in thoughts and planning, Um, well, not anymore, but during this dark time, I was in thoughts and planning and that wasn't a switch. That was like, I feel suicidal. I want to die. And then eventually kind of falling asleep almost and just forgetting about it until the next day. Um, but that was one of the first times it actually crossed over to action. And with action, there's a lot less emotion for me anyway. It's just, it's just what it is. It's action.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm happy that you, I mean, happy. Um, I'm glad that you shared this story with, with me and also other people who are listening. Um, I think you're inspiring. And I remember when I met you for the first time and I read um, In the Grey Area of Being so Suicidal and that famous line uh, I'm so suicidal and now it's not what you think. Um and I, I I hope I got it right. Yeah, you did. Um, but thank you for for talking about this. I think many people can relate to you and uh, to all the things that you have done. Um, I hope we can help people by talking about this. Um, and with this, I think we should uh, in our next podcast um we'll discuss uh, again mental illness uh as part two so do you want to wrap it up
0: yeah absolutely um so join us next week we'll be concluding this mental health special um and talking about writing as it pertains to mental illness as we might have mentioned before but we're going to give you guys some tips about what we do to manage our mental illness through our writing and, uh, hopefully you guys can find some solace in that. Uh, if you would like to reach us or contact us about the podcast, you can reach out to us at hello tj on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also email us at hello.tea.jay.com, or gmail.com, gmail.com. <laughs> and, uh, just catch up with us. Let us know how you like the podcast. Let us know any books you want reviewed, any topics you want discussed. Uh, looking forward to talking to you guys next week and concluding our mental health segment. All right. This is TJ and that is Bane and we are signing off. Have a great week.
1: Bye.